0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: You don't have to do seven things to bear fruit, or five things to bear fruit, or three things to bear fruit. You just got to do one thing. You can do one thing. You just got to do one thing. Abide in Jesus. That's what you got to be all about. I'm just abiding in Jesus. That's the one thing you've got to do. And if you abide in Jesus, the fruit will take care of itself. You don't have to worry about the fruit. You just worry about and focus on abiding in in Jesus, and the fruit will be there. He produces the fruit in our lives as we abide in Him.
0: The Bible gives us clear instructions as we live our daily lives. As followers of Jesus, the Bible is like a roadmap, showing us the truth as we navigate the rocky terrain ahead. In today's scripture passage, you'll hear how simply abiding in Jesus will lead to a fruitful life. Bearing the fruit of the Spirit isn't about willing yourself to be good. It's about Jesus working through you. Pastor Dan will encourage you in today's message to simply abide in Jesus, and the rest will follow. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of John, chapter 15, for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: goes on in verse 2 to say, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He cuts away. Uh, he removes the fruitless branch. Uh, Judas Iscariot would be an example of a branch that was not bearing fruit and was taken away. Now we'll look at the second half. The first half of verse 2 doesn't, doesn't trouble me so much. second half does. And every branch that bears fruit that's a good thing. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Notice, notice the word every there. Every branch that bears fruit. So it's bearing fruit. It's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's doing the right thing. It's bearing fruit. But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it bears even more so, if you're bearing fruit for the Lord, you're doing the right thing, you're bearing fruit, that's good. But understand, if you're bearing fruit, you can expect the Lord to prune you. You can expect the Lord to prune things in your life. You can expect Him to, to, to remove things from your life. A vine dresser prunes a vine so that the nutrients are not wasted, but can be concentrated on, on fruit-bearing. And so he, the vine dresser will cut away anything that is, is not necessary or extra so that all of the nutrients and the sap will go straight to the fruit so that the fruit will be greater. And that's what God does in our lives. Yeah, yeah we're bearing fruit. We're doing the right thing. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And God will prune us. He'll, he'll prune things from our lives. And And understand, listen, they may not be sinful things. They may not be bad things that he prunes. They may be things that are perfectly lawful for a Christian to do. He may prune things from your life that are good. He may prune things from your life that he doesn't prune from the life of the person sitting next to you. He allows that person to continue doing those things. But God as the vine dresser will prune things and remove things from our lives that that in many cases are good things, they're lawful things, they're not bad things, they're not sin, but he removes them so that we don't waste our energy or our time on those things so that we can be more fruitful and our energy and our time can focus on fruit bearing. And that's what he does to every branch that is bearing fruit. He says in verse 3, you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. God prunes us and God washes us. And how does he wash us? He washes us with his word. He washes us with the water of the word. That's why we should read the Bible every day and be in the word every day so that God can, can wash us. God can cleanse us through his word. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And this is the key here to fruitfulness. We bear fruit by abiding in Christ. We bear fruit by abiding in Christ. The word abiding here, uh, we also get the word abode, which means like your, your, your dwelling place, your home, where you live uh the, the word abiding here it has the idea of settling down in and remaining in and not moving from that place like your house you're settled into your house you've settled in you're remaining there you're you're, you're not moving around fruitfulness comes from abiding in Jesus and remaining in him and being listen being settled down in your relationship with Jesus where You're, you're just you're, you're planted there, and you're not going anywhere. You're just settled in that relationship with Jesus. You're staying constantly connected to Him. It, it's not the kind of thing where you're hot, and then you're cold, or you're on, and then you're off, and you're always kind of moving around, and sometimes you're real into Jesus, and other times you kind of drift away. And No, it's, it, it, for the person to bear fruit, the fruit-bearing person, they are abiding in Jesus always. He's the vine, we're the branches, and the fruit comes from the vine through the branches. And so we have to stay constantly, continually connected to Him to bear fruit. Now verse 4 should be a big sigh of relief for all of us. You don't have to do seven things to bear fruit, or five things to bear fruit, or three things to bear fruit. You just got to do one thing. You can do one thing. You just got to do one thing. Abide in Jesus. That's what you got to be all about. I'm just abiding in Jesus. That's the one thing you've got to do. And if you abide in Jesus, the fruit will take care of itself. You don't have to worry about the fruit. You just worry about and focus on abiding in Jesus, and the fruit will be there. He produces the fruit in our lives as we abide in Him. It's all about your relationship with Jesus. It's all about your relationship with Jesus and your connection to Him. He goes on in verse 5 to say, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So if we abide in Jesus, we'll bear bear much fruit. But apart from Jesus, he says in verse 5, apart from Jesus, we can bear no fruit at all. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That means we can do nothing of any real, lasting, eternal value apart from Jesus on our own. you think about it, a branch broken off from the vine can't bear fruit. It's got to be connected to the vine to bear fruit. And we have to be connected to Jesus to bear fruit. So if we're not connected to Him, we're not going to bear fruit. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Now understand, though... You can do all kinds of good things. You can do all kinds of good works. You can have all kinds of religious activity. You can be very busy doing religious things in your life, but if they are not coming from your relationship with Jesus Christ, they count for nothing in eternity. It's all just works of your flesh. That's why Jesus said, apart from Him, or separated from Him, we can do Nothing. Now, what does verse 5 say to us about us, right? Nothing. You can't do anything. You look at verse 5, and it kind of hurts your ego a little bit, maybe. Nothing? I mean, I can't do anything? Nothing? There's nothing? There's got to be something I can do that counts. Nothing? Yeah, nothing. There's nothing we can do apart from Christ that counts for eternity, that really matters. We're good for nothing without Jesus. Not good for something, good for nothing. You know, Jesus here, you know, whenever Jesus uses an illustration, like he does here, with this, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and the vine dresser, and he's using this grapevine as an illustration. Whenever Jesus uses an illustration, it's not arbitrary. He's not just picking something randomly. It's very specific and it has a lot of meaning behind it. There's a reason why he's comparing us to a grapevine and branches that bear fruit on a grapevine. A grapevine is really good for nothing except for bearing fruit. That's all you can do with a grapevine. You can't make a table out of grapewood. You can't build a deck out of grapewood. If you go to Hobby Lobby, you can find a wreath that's made out of grapevine that's all kind of twisted together in the shape of a wreath. That's about all you can do with a grapevine. You can make a wreath out of it, and that's it. Grapewood is really good for nothing other than bearing fruit. In the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 15, the prophet Ezekiel says, the wood, listen to this, the wood of the grapevine is good for nothing except burning in a fire for fuel. He says you can't even make a peg to hang something. On it because the wood's so soft, you can't even make a little peg to hang your coat on out of grape wood because the wood's so soft it'll it'll bend.
0: We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app.
1: We recently launched an app for our church, and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com.
0: What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth.
1: The grapevine is only good for bearing fruit. And that's it. And Jesus compares us to a grapevine. What does that say about us? In the context here, the grapevine is a picture of our lives, and our lives are only good for producing fruit for God, and nothing else That will matter in eternity. We're good for nothing except for bearing fruit. And we can't produce that fruit ourselves. The only way we can produce that fruit is by abiding in Jesus Christ. And what is the fruit? What is the fruit that He wants to produce in our lives? Well, turn with me over to Galatians chapter 5, and I'll show you what that fruit is. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. But the fruit, there's that word, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit the Lord wants to produce in each of our lives. He wants to produce love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what is that a description of? That's a description of Jesus. Jesus is all those things. So you understand that the fruitfulness that He wants to produce in our lives is Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. As we abide in Jesus and stay connected to Him, He produces christ likeness in us. And again, all we've got to do is that one thing is abide in Him. We don't have to strive in our flesh. We don't have to strain to be more like Jesus. We just abide in Him and He makes us more like Himself. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad for that? That you don't have to work at being more like Jesus and strive. and You just abide in Jesus and, and He will naturally make us more like Him. He'll produce Christ-likeness in us. Now I'll go back to chapter 15, verse 6. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Again, you can picture in your mind a branch on the ground probably laying in your backyard right now that's Just laying there, it's no longer connected to the tree, and it's withered, it's rotting. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now there is a great deal of debate surrounding verse 6. And the debate is this. Is verse 6 talking about a believer or a non-believer? If it's talking about a believer, then the question is, how can a believer be cast into the fire and burned? That sounds like someone losing their salvation. If we're saved, we're saved from judgment. But if it's talking about a non-believer, why does Jesus earlier in the chapter, why does He call that, that branch, as He describes it as a branch in me, back in verse 2. A branch in me, a branch that's in Christ. If they're in Christ, how can they be a non-believer? If it's a branch attached to the vine, how can it not... Be a believer then, a believer in Christ. At the same time, this branch is not bearing fruit. A believer abiding in Christ will bear fruit, so... And it kind of goes back and forth. And people have filled chapters and books trying to show who verse 6 is talking about, a believer or a non-believer. And listen, here's the thing, here's the thing. The important thing is make sure verse 6 isn't talking about you. Whoever it's talking about, make sure it's not talking about you. Don't live in the gray area in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't live in the gray area. Abide in Christ. Bear fruit. And then you don't have to worry about verse 6. Because it's not talking about you then. So, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my word... Now look what he says. And my word abides in you... You will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. So first Jesus talked about abiding in him. Now he says, let my word abide in, in you. And again, uh, you know, so we're abiding in Christ and his word is abiding in us. And remember that word abide it has the idea of, of settling down and remaining, not moving from, like living in your home. God's word should have a deep, settled place in us. Should abide in us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I love the New Living Translation of that verse. It says, Let it fill your life. Let the word of Christ fill your life. Let the word of God fill your life. And I want to challenge us today, myself included. I want to challenge you and I want to challenge myself to make the word of God the single most influential thing in your life. More than the news, more than social media, more than Facebook and Instagram, make the Word of God the most influential thing in your life. Let the Word of God abide in you more than anything else. Live in the Word, settle in the Word, remain in the Word more than anything else. Fill your life with the Word of God. And if you do, look at the promise in the rest of verse 7. If you abide in Christ and you allow His Word to abide in you, you will have an effective prayer life. You will have an effective prayer life. You will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. What a promise that is. Abiding in the Word will make your prayer life more effective than it is. How so? By a, because as I'm abiding in the Word, I come to know God's character, I come to know His nature, and that then affects how I pray. And I begin to pray according to His character. And my prayers start to line up with His character. I start to pray according to His will and not my will. And so our prayer life becomes more effective as I'm abiding in the Word. If you want your prayer life to improve, get in the Word of God. And spend time in the Word of God. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. The purpose of fruit bearing is to bring glory to God. Again, just as a garden uh, that bears much fruit brings glory to the gardener. You know, everybody praises the gardener for the beautiful fruit they've produced in their garden. We bring glory to God by bearing much fruit. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. How how do we abide in God's love? By keeping His commandments. Abiding is obeying. And what does He command us to do? What does Jesus command us to do? Well, He tells us down in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have Loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. He commands us to love one another just as he loved us, sacrificially, unconditionally. And we abide in him by obeying his commands. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that, look what he says, my joy may remain in you. That sounds great. That my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus here, he's talking about wanting to impart his joy to his disciples, that my joy may remain in you so that your joy may be full. He's talking about my joy. Do you remember what he's doing right now? Do you remember where he's going? He's actually walking to Gethsemane, where he's going to be arrested. By noon the next day, he's he's going to be so brutalized, he's not even going to look like a human being. And he's going to be hanging on a cross and all of the sins of the world are going to be put upon him and he's going to be punished and judged for the sins of the world as a substitutionary sacrifice for us to atone for our sins. That's just hours away for him at this point. And he's talking about joy. His joy. He's not talking about dread. He's not talking about anguish. He's not talking about fear. He's talking about joy. How can he be talking about joy right now? He, he he has joy, listen, because he's right at the center of God's will. He is doing exactly what the Father wanted him to do. And he is right in the middle of the Father's will, walking in obedience to the Father. And there is joy and peace that comes from being in God's will, from just knowing that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing even when you're facing terrible circumstances, horrible circumstances and situations, as long as you are in God's will and walking in His ways, there will be a peace that passes understanding that will rule in your heart and mind in the midst of all of that. You see so many examples of that in the Scriptures. Remember Paul, Acts 27, they're in the storm, on the ship, on the Mediterranean Sea, Everybody's fearing that they're going to die. Everybody's freaking out. The ship is literally, literally breaking apart. If you read the passage in Acts 27, they have to lower ropes down over the bow of the ship to try to hold the, hold the whole thing together. The whole thing's coming apart. And Paul stands up, and what does Paul say? It's going to be okay. I've been with the Lord. The Lord spoke to me. We're not going to die. We're going to make it. He's got this peace. Everybody else is you know, ready to jump ship. Because everything's coming apart, and Paul, and though, he's got this peace. Everything's going to be okay. Why? I've been with the Lord. Jesus here, he's walking in the Father's will. He's on his way to the cross, and he's talking about his joy. He's got joy.
2: He asked me how I know, and I say, bring true.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor Dan Sexton today to study the book of 1 John on Ring of Truth. This New Testament letter encourages its readers to grow in faith, to set aside personal agendas, and unite in a pursuit of God's plans. The author wants those who follow Christ to experience Him fully, as well as experience the beautiful gift of a church community having a body of believers around you to support and encourage you in your personal walk with christ is important you'll also find that a body of believers is somewhere you can be jesus's hands and feet to others are you part of a church if not we want to encourage you to find one soon if you're in the baltimore washington area you're invited to join us here at calvary chapel We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just a few minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. You can find out more at our website, calvaryec.com. You can also give us a call for more information. Our phone number is 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're honored to be able to share God's Word with you through each edition of Ring of Truth. If you'd like to listen to additional teachings from this series, you'll find them at calvaryec.com. That's all for now. Join us next time for more on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I
2: recognize